Well, praise God, I know y'all are hungry because you came back tonight. You didn't stay on your couches eating potato chips all afternoon. Watching the game, you gave up your will, laid it down, told Jesus you didn't just want him to be your savior, you wanted him to be your master, amen? Or otherwise you wouldn't be here. So praise God, so I know you're here for the second half. Praise God, we had intermission. Now we're here for the second half. Praise God. So, Brother Ivan, come on up. Y'all give him a hand clap. Thank you, Pastor Robert. Good evening, everybody. Praise God. Been a nice afternoon. Had a beautiful meal at Robert's house. Miss Laura cooked. All was well. We ate tons of things. Many vegetables, giant roast, roasted head of a pig, the, no. <laughs> I was describing to Pastor Robert that I fly on these long trips, and I've been flying so long that, you know, I have the, like, the top of the top of the top. So these, these first-class seats are like beds. They, they make into beds, literally. There's like, you know, TVs in there and movie stars in there. And, you know, you, and then they bring you the roasted head of a pig on a spigot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But anyway, I always wanted to say that. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, man. Mm. Let's go to Luke chapter 7 and... Uh, Keep flowing in, in this message. Um, as you know, this morning I talked to you about Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, which is a whole message that I'm working on, but, but that's, uh, that in itself is, is a key. And the second key that I want to mention to you, uh, if this is going to work, is that you have to love God, you have to love Jesus and, and, and truly love him more than you love anything or anyone else. That is like, without that, Christianity doesn't really work. And developing a love for God, just being a person that other people can look at and say, that man loves God. That woman loves God. That family loves God. That is going to open up a lot of rivers of blessing for your family and your life, just being able to totally love God. And think about this. Many people fear God. Many people fear God. And many people respect God. But not that many people love God. They love the language of saying, I love God. But if you test how love is in your life, for example, your children, if you love your children, Think about how much it hurts you to be away from your children for any amount of time. And anything you love, you miss. And anything that you don't love, you don't miss. And in, in reality, most and many of the churches of today, they, you know, the Holy Spirit could leave and they would never miss the Holy Spirit. 
for years and years and years. They would never know the Holy Spirit left because they don't have a love connection, a love relationship with God. And it's, it's the same in natural relationships, and it's the same in our relationship with God. If you're going to have an encounter with God, it has to begin at those two places. Very critical. If your Christianity is not going to be religious or empty or full of empty promises or full of ashes, full of incompleteness, dysfunction, a lack of uh, intimacy, a lack of joy, you know, none of that is promised to us. We are promised joy unspeakable and full of glory. I mean, that's what we're promised. But only people that love Jesus deeply actually taste of that. You know, if you can take God or leave God, that's not a good sign. It's not a good sign. It's, a, it's almost like committing spiritual suicide when you don't love God and try to be a Christian. It's, it's very deadly to your soul because your soul is created by God to love him. And when you don't love him, you feel there's something missing. And anytime you don't do what God is say, tells you to do, or you don't live for God the way he says to live for God, and you don't walk with God the way he says to you, you have something is missing from your life. And so I'm going to give you five more, maybe more, uh, but we'll see how many we can get through. But encounters, I, I just want you to, to ask God to give you encounters. Ask God to become real to you and to manifest himself to you and to reveal himself to you and to show you his face. This is a very powerful, powerful thing. And um, Luke 7, 37 through 45 the story of the woman with the alabaster box. This woman was a prostitute, and she comes to Jesus into the house of Simon and brings a vase, a box, alabaster box, made out of alabaster, which is a type of, like a, it's not stone, but it's, you can put liquid in it, but it's soft. And that contained the precious perfume, which if you research that, you'll find that it was worth one year's salary. So it was expensive to her, even though the way she earned it was by selling herself to wretched men that, of course, used her and abused her. And there's no telling uh, the life of a prostitute in those days. There's just no telling because the life of prostitutes in these days, is, is just as horrific as it was back then. And, you know, it's hard to explain to a human being what that life is like. I used to shine sh the shoes of prostitutes when I was a young boy because my grandmother had a restaurant in the Red Light District. And next door was the house of ill repute, right next door, two stories. So the, the women there uh, would eat at my grandmother's restaurant. I started working 
I have not been out of a job since I was six. I mean, I started washing dishes at six years old. The gloves didn't even fit me. They'd go all the way up here. And she had to put two or three crates up there, you know, on the thing. And then I had to, and I was a terrible dishwasher. I mean, I don't know, <laughs> poor people, but, but it was bad. You know what I mean? I just dunked them in, dunked them out, dunked them in, dunked them out. <laughs> because the water was so hot. I mean, it would be smoking in those stainless steel tubs. But then I got a shoe shine kit, and, and because I made money doing that. And uh, so I would just right outside the front of her restaurant with benches so I would wait and they'd come over and uh, you know sit there and then they, they only wore two colors of shoes they wore black and they wore red and and always wore uh, some type of hose and 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 so I I got it all over everything I mean it was it was bad shoe shining but <laughs> you know but I got paid because my my grandmother was like a mafia don and her seven brothers were all policemen and so these women tipped me big. I'm talking a dollar for a 10-cent shine or 20 cents, whatever it was. Um, but, but, but what really got me even at that age is the tragicness of these ladies, the tragicness, the hardness, the vileness, and the terrible smell. It, because these are not high-end you know, prostitutes, these are like really low in people that have been abused since they were children. And, and that's, men have treated them like dogs all their lives. And, and they were really overweight and, and just a lot of really just nasty, nasty stuff. But I only say that because this woman was a prostitute. She was a, a, a and, and how would she... How would she know that she could approach Jesus, a rabbi? Because for one thing, it's against the law. If you, if you as a prostitute or a sinner of some kind approach a rabbi and touch him, you make him unclean, and he's got to separate himself from the town for seven days and go through all kinds of rituals and ceremonies, you know, to, to get cleansed again before they'll let him come back in. So this woman... Because And this is conjecture, but I think it's, it's safe. This woman probably had heard about Jesus from all the people that were around there, uh, that, that Jesus had healed, maybe even from other prostitutes that had been delivered or healed. But what she heard about Jesus was this is not a man like other preachers. This is not your regular rabbi. This guy hugs lepers while they have the sores on their bodies, and after he's done hugging them, they're clean. This man forgives women caught in adultery who are about to get stoned. You know, this is a different kind of man because it's very obvious that this woman already came with an expectation. She already had a connection to Jesus without ever having met him simply by his reputation. So she came, but she came carrying the information of him that others who had been touched by him gave her. So she came with that. And you know the whole story, you know, fell at his feet, weeping, 
crying, getting his feet wet, anointing his, his feet with oil, drying his feet with the hair, and then the aroma filling the room, all of this, all of that, everybody objecting, uh, all the other people saying, you know, how can you let a sinner like that touch you, and all of that. And this is what I call a love encounter, and it's, it's, it's really, if you don't have this, you are going to be a dangerous person if you have a DNA that you got from your, your ancestors that is cruel or mean. Not everybody's like that, but if you're cruel and mean and your, your natural tendency is to be rough, without this encounter, without a love encounter, you're never going to be able to do what God wants you to do. You'll never be the husband or the wife or the parent or the child that you want to be. You just can't do it. A love encounter changes everything. It literally changes your personality. I mean, it changes the way you talk to people. It changes the way you treat people. It changes how you act. It changes the levels of your selflessness. It makes you completely aware of how you affect other people. It is a completely life-transforming encounter that everyone has to have. And for me... This was my number one encounter that I had with God, with Jesus, on the day I got saved. This was the love encounter from reading the Bible for the first time in my life, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. And this, this forever changed my life. I mean, I just became like a totally di different person. You know, you go from hate to love in a matter of minutes. And then the demons that are inside you begin to leave your body. Very powerful encounter. And, and it's really the most fulfilling thing you will ever have is the love of God in you. Nothing will fulfill you like the love of God. To feel it, to have it, to know it, to share it, to give it. It's the most powerful thing you as a person that wants to walk with God can have is the love of God because love compels you to heal people. It's compassion. It's the ability to feel another person's pain. When you don't have love in your heart, you can't feel the pain in other people. You create it because you're, you're so disconnected from God. And the way that you get a love encounter is by constantly breaking. Brokenness is the secret this woman had, she fell at his feet, broken, completely helpless, coming for help to God. And when she broke, everything of heaven went in. And Jesus said it the best way. He that is forgiven much, loveth much. He that is forgiven little, loveth little. If you do not see the depth of your wickedness, it is very easy for you to look down on other people who have gone to the deeper darknesses of sin. And it makes you religious, judgmental, and lacking in compassion. But if you know how much God has forgiven you, either because of revelation by God so showing you all that you could have been, and all that you could have done that maybe God kept you from because you had good parents or who knows what, 
Or if you were in the darkness and you realize, wow, how could God forgive me for doing all that? Because that is the love of God. Unconditional, unbiased. That is the love. Unconditional, unbiased. That is the love. Unconditional, unbiased. Anybody can love their own, but to love someone else's or to love something that is reproached and rejected, like Jesus with the lepers, or with our woman caught in adultery, or, you know, with so many people that he just loved them out of darkness into the light. So stretch your hands to heaven and say, Dear God, would you baptize me in your holy and beautiful love? Would you fill me with love, not just for my own family, but for everyone I meet? Could love be the mark on me that you leave? And could love be the mark I leave on others? In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Do you have that music that is in there? It's uh, While We Wait. I think that's what it goes. Just play a little bit of that. So... So I want you to drink it in today because remember, your pain comes from being from a lack of love. You grew up without being loved and that brings pain. And pain is a very disastrous element to allow to live in your life. When you have pain and don't deal with that pain, it turns you into a very selfish revengeful person and, and what's going to heal people is for them to walk in church or to meet somebody and feel the love of God I have seen this so many times on in so many cases and it just never fails it's really true that love never fails praise God go ahead and hug each other and say, I promise on Monday I'll pay your house off. Praise God. Ask God right now. Say, God, fill me with your, your unbiased love. Say, God, fill me with your unbiased love. Because I, I want to have an encounter with love. I want to have an encounter with love. How powerful that is. We then go to Mark chapter 5, 1 through 35. And this is the story of the demoniac. Here is a man that has 2,000 demons inside of his body. Two thousand demons inside of his body. That's pretty, that's pretty intense. True born-again Christians have demons with them, partnering with them. People that are lost have demons living in them, many of them, that drive them to do wicked things. Christians are anointed by demons to do wicked things. Like if you like having the presence of God with you. When you serve your flesh on a regular basis activate demonic partnerships 
And then when you do wrong, you will feel a power in doing wrong. Because the demon is with you, anointing you to do wrong. It makes you feel powerful. To terrorize someone or to intimidate them or to control them or to threaten them or to scare them. It's because demons are with you. To have nightmares regularly, demons are with you. Not have peace in the home. Demons are in your house. To be depressed all the time. There are heaviness in, in, in homes that deep heaviness because there's demons in the house. But this man didn't have them around him. says he would just scream and yell all night. It says he ran around screaming and yelling, cutting himself with stones and rocks. And it says they tried to restrain him and put chains on him. And it says he would snap them like they were just thread, snap them. Because the demons inside gave him that supernatural strength and snap. Jesus comes by this is what's interesting to me this man with 2,000 demons still had enough willpower to run to Jesus I mean you know you can say I can I can I can but even without Jesus this man who had 2,000 demons in him who I haven't met anybody like that around here maybe two or three demons some of you but but 2,000 demons, I, ha I haven't met that. That's a serious amount of demons. And he still had enough willpower to run to Jesus and fall at his feet. You know the whole story. Jesus said to the demons, come out. He said, don't, don't, don't just kick us out. Send us at least to the pigs. The demons went into the pig, the herd of pigs, however many there were, and then they committed suicide. <laughs> the just went off the cliff. But those are smart animals. You know what I'm saying? They said, no, I'm not going to live like this. And they just ran off the edge of the cliff. <laughs> you know, I mean, how many people do you know that would live like that? Naked, running around in a graveyard, cutting yourself, never sleeping, screaming, yelling. I mean, But, but, because he fell at Jesus' feet, I call this a sanity encounter. There has to come a time in your life where you just stop being crazy. You've got to just stop being crazy. Sometimes you need God's help to stop being crazy. I have been ministering now for 52 years. I have seen a lot of crazy from Christians, crazy stuff. I've seen fistfights in churches. Full out, three, four, five, six people at a time. Just going at it. Not to mention all the sleeping around. 
and everything, this and that, and all kinds of crazy, you know, stuff. I mean, you know, you know that a pastor is having a hard time when he's selling weed. A friend of mine calls me one day and says, man, I'm in trouble. I said, well, what's going on? He said, Malachi, I'm selling weed. I said, are you serious right now? He said, yeah, I need to get help. I said, are you serious right now? He said, yeah, I need help. I said, you're choking, you're choking, you're choking, you're choking. I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine it, but it was true. It was true. Why? Because people are crazy. They have demons in their lives. And being sane is one of the best encounters you can have when you stop doing stupid things to yourself. When you stop acting crazy, talking crazy, walking crazy, and just living crazy, where peace settles in. What does it say about this man? They found him totally dressed in his right mind. Hallelujah. Tell somebody, I need a sanity encounter. It's insane to do crazy things and threaten people. That's insanity. And so the Holy Spirit, when you have encounters with God, one of the things that he does for you is he makes you a person that can be relied on for 50, 60, 70, or 80 years. You're stable. You're solid. Your children can rely on you. Your friends can rely on you. You're there with them till the very end without wavering in any way. Praise God. You don't scare your whole family and say, we don't know what mom's going to do. We have no idea what, how dad, what dad's going to do. That's insanity for a Christian. We're reliable. We stand on a rock, not on sand. We are trustworthy. People need to know that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you'll still be serving God. You'll still be walking with God. You're not going to become a drunk. You're not going to get back into alcohol. You're not going to get divorced. You're not going to do any of that. You're going to stick... Stick with God and serve him. That's sanity. You're going to go to church. You're not going to go to church one Sunday and not go another Sunday. You're going to go to church every time the door is open. You're going to grow roots in the house of God and bring your children and grandchildren with. You're going to be like a pillar in the house of God. People will look at you and say, look at my granddad, man. She's a pillar in the house of God. I was preaching last week in Alaska with two of my grandsons, my oldest grandson, Ethan, who's 20 now, and uh, another one of my grandsons, Tate, who's 14. And Ethan was preaching every time before I did, and he was getting standing ovations, literally getting standing ovations. Thousands of people are standing up, clapping because of the revelation. He has read the Bible through since he was five years old, and never missed a year. That's just the reading through part, not the studying. 
He went to bed, and I, I say this humbly, he went to bed most of his childhood listening to one of my messages every night. He is a preaching machine. But here's what blessed me. He had this revelation. He said, look, God doesn't want us to start from nothing. I have all the blessings of my grandfather. I don't have to get those blessings. He has given them to me. I'm standing on top of them. I start where he ends. I mean, this is standing ovation. I mean, people are freaking out right there. <laughs> Just on the generational in insinuation, you know. <laughs> I was like, ah, ah. I was just so glad I hadn't given him, you know. Uh, we've, had to get, we've had to get him out, you know, six times out of jail and all that. Although I did get stopped twice by police on, on the highway there with him in the car. But, uh, <laughs> but I didn't break the law get a, or a ticket or anything. They just thought I was swerving. But, uh, <laughs> which I was because we're looking at animals. We're in Alaska. I said, yeah, we're looking at animals. He said, well, you got to pay a little bit more attention. You kind of went into the white line a couple of times. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, anyway, you know, moose are there. What can I do? So, so this encounter is, is important for you for longevity. And the way that you get a sanity encounter is by continually going to the feet of Jesus and falling down there and crying out to God, Jesus, have mercy on me. And you do it. You do it until the crazy voices in your head leave and peace enters in and you're at peace with God about everything. Hallelujah. Everybody raise your hands and say, I need to get my brain back. Tell that to someone next to you. Say, I need to get my brain back. We go to John 20, verses 11 through 18, and Mary Magdalene is at the tomb where Jesus has been buried. She goes to the tomb, and he's gone. She's freaking out because she thinks somebody has taken him. So there's a man walking around the garden that she thinks is the gardener. And so she says to him, have you seen my Lord? They've taken his body away. She doesn't recognize Jesus physically because he was, I guess, as he said, he had not fully ascended to his father. So he was in some kind of, some kind of state that we don't understand. And and he, as soon as he spoke her name, she, she knew. She knew. He said, Mary. And as soon as he said, Mary, he said, Master. She knew instantly. Like a mother knows the cry of her children. Like anyone knows the voice of their wife or husband after being married, 30, 40, 50 years. Intimacy creates that kind of recognition. And she had that. But what she got was a resurrection encounter. 
And this is something you must have as a believer. Because if you don't know the power of, of the resurrection, if you don't have a resurrection encounter, you are never going to be able to walk in the full power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know how many churches are full of graveyards and caskets and zombies? That's the true zombie apocalypse. It's in church with a bunch of religious people that are empty on the inside. Like Jesus said to the Pharisees, you guys are open graves full of dead men's bones. You travel half around the world to make one disciple and when you get the convert, you turn him into twice the child of hell that you are. But when you experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, when you experience that, it changes everything. It changes everything. Your Christianity changes completely. The way you look at God, the way you look at your, the circumstances of your life, now you have resurrection power available to you. And this is what happened to Mary. She said, you're not dead. You're resurrected like you said you were. And from then on, death never had the same meaning. They'd even seen Jesus raise the dead. So they knew he could do it. But now he's dead. Who's going to resurrect him? And then when he gets resurrected, they say, wait a minute. There's no limit. There's no limit. The Holy Spirit, that's why when Jesus said to them, I have to leave so that the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, can come here and aid you and help you to do all these things that I have done and even greater things that I've done will you do. Do you see the quality of Christianity that is not in most churches? This quality of Christianity does not exist, ladies and gentlemen, in most places where people are experiencing the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in their daily lives. They are actually seeing miracles, and they're giving testimonies of all these healings and deliverances because of the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. When you leave the resurrection power out of your Christianity you will be dressed in the rags of religion. And we know this about the rags of religion because Lazarus was in the tomb wrapped in the clothes of death. Religion. And Jesus said after a few days, he stinks because that's what religion will do to us. Religious Religion puts an ugly stench on your personality and life and people in the world don't want to come to churches full of dead men and women there's no judgmentalism to the resurrection power it doesn't sit there and say oh you're a drunk oh you were there the power of God the resurrection doesn't care about that because he knows, the Holy Spirit knows, as soon as I touch these people, they're going to get delivered. They're going to get set free, like many of you here have been delivered by the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. And unless the Holy Spirit had delivered you and you had had an encounter with that, you would still be tied up somewhere or in jail. But thank God that Jesus didn't stay in the grave. 
Thank God that he defeated the devil, and it had to be the perfect life, the perfect crucifixion, and the perfect resurrection to make the whole package. Neither of those steps could have failed. Had Jesus sinned, it would have, it would have, that would have been over. Had Jesus not gone to the cross at the right time, that would be over. And if he hadn't resurrected from the dead, all the other two would be nullified. You and I need resurrection power. We need it in our daily life. Praise God. Go ahead and reach over to that person and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed in your body and be delivered by the power of God. Come on, everybody, say it. Be healed in your body and be delivered by the power of God. Because if you're going to fill... If you're going to fill churches all over the world with young people, you're going to have to either give them drugs or you're going to have to give them power. You're either going to have to give them liquor or you're going to have to give them new wine. You're either going to have to give them worldly music or you're going to have to give them divine worship. You're either going to have to give them horror movies or you're going to have to give them supernatural revelation from God. Without that recipe in your home, some of your children may not want to serve God. But with resurrection power, where they see you as a woman with curdlers praying for the sick, and they get sick, they're going to freak out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and say, I need some resurrection power. This comes through prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Not just fasting, not just prayer. Prayer and fasting. Jesus said it best. This kind of demon cannot come out. The disciples said, we couldn't cast the demon out. Well, what, what, what's going on? We cast out a bunch of other ones, but this one we couldn't. He said, this kind does not come out unless you've prayed and fasted. Your authority level goes up with prayer and fasting. If you just fast, then you become superior and arrogant. And if you just pray, you still limit the amount of, of exposure to the supernatural. It's the combination. It's the combination that unleashes the resurrection power and it goes before you. It goes with you. It's with you when you lay hands on people at the gas station. It's with you when you're just talking and the words that you're speaking are spirit and life. They're alive. And the pe person you're talking to, their hearts are on fire. Because you're speaking directly to them from the Holy Spirit and the breath of God. The resurrection breath of God is inside of you, coming out of your mouth. Hallelujah. That's the difference between dead preaching and alive preaching. The person preaching is alive. They've made contact with the resurrection. Hallelujah. That's why you like Pastor Robert. That's why you like Brother Ivan. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and say, snap out of it. Glory to God. Amen. 
So this is a, an important encounter. If you don't have this, you're going to live as an actor and a pretender. Because what's going to happen is you're going you're gonna to observe people that have the resurrection power in their lives. Then you're going to memorize how they talk and act. Then you're going to act like that and talk like that, but have no power with it. You'll simply become an, a, a spirit-filled actor. You get the language down, but you don't have the power. And what's one of the signs of the last days? A form of godliness without the power thereof. Hallelujah. Everybody wave your hands and say, ooh, Jesus. Say, I need a resurrection encounter. So if you've got a problem not eating, then I don't know what to tell you. This is just not going to be a part of your life. And, and, and let me just give you a couple of uh, insights. Oh, that music was supposed to keep going, like, permanently. So the resurrection power, everybody, and, and, and fasting. So, so, so you'll know how you know you're fasting is two simple ways to know. One, you are miserable. That's the first sign. If you're fasting, you are miserable. And the second sign of fasting is you lose weight. That means that if you go on a Daniel fast and gain weight, you're not fasting. One of my daughters said, Pop, I'm going on a liquid fast, and I want you to do it with me. I said, sure. What are we going to do? What are we going to have? Like seaweed or something? You know, <laughs> water and, 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 and grass. And so she made a smoothie, and it was about this big. And I said, what is that? Bananas in there? I said, I'm not going on a liquid fast with a smoothie with 6,000 calories. So I said, we're not fasting today. And I drank that whole thing. I said, we'll start tomorrow because I'm, I'm going to drink this. But it's not a fast. I'm just drinking this because that looks amazing. She put peanut butter in there. She put granola in there. She put avocados in there. I mean, it was so heavy. I was afterwards. I was walking around like, "Whoa, that was that was really something." I mean, we could really do a fast on that. I said, "But that's not fasting." <laughs> All right. And then prayer is not throwing up prayers. Prayer is spending the time you would spend eating. You spend that on your knees, praying. That's prayer. Not, oh, Lord, thanks. It's a beautiful day. Praise God. Thank Jesus. Hallelujah. I prayed. I fasted. No. No, no, no. You really prayed through. You pray in the Holy Spirit for a good solid hour or 30 minutes or whatever and just go through it three times a day or however many times you would eat. You just do it. Resurrection encounter. Everybody said, well, what happens when you have resurrection on you? Do you know that your family members are going to get saved? 
because they're going to get affected by the power that's on you that you may not even be able to detect anymore because you're used to just being in it. But to them, they're going to detect the presence of God on you and the power of God on you, and they're going to say, wow, I mean, that, wow, I don't know. When you're around here, I just feel like crying. I mean, I just feel like just, I, I, I don't know what's going on. But it's the presence of God. It's the power of God because you have the resurrection power that's on you. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I really need that. So I need to skip the chips. Because, you know, you can do crazy fasts. I mean, I did a banana nut shake fast once. I was single. And I thought, I'd like to do a banana nut shake fast. So I did. All I had was banana nut shakes for three days. The diarrhea was out of this world. And it was brutal. The only one worse than that that I did was a big red soda with dry roasted peanuts in it. Three days. I, my feet never touched the ground from the gas. I mean, literally, I was just, I was like a spaceman just going around. So much gas. Every, every couple of seconds, I mean, I could steer it. Move my leg, move it. So I suggest water. Just an idea. So your intestines do not freak out. Praise God. <laughs> Give somebody a high five and say, Ooh, man, thank you, Jesus. We go to Luke 10, 30 through 31. The story of Mary and Martha. How many of you remember the story of Mary and Martha when Jesus comes to their house and Martha is cleaning the house and preparing food and all that. And she gets upset at her sister Mary, who is sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him teach. And she's all upset about it. And Jesus said, Martha, you're all upset and stressed out and worried about all these other things. Mary has chosen the good part. At my feet, listening to my word very very powerful and what is this a discipleship encounter because let me tell you something that if you expect to have the blessings of that bible be real to you you're going to have to be more than a casual christian you're going to have to be more than a distant observer you're going to have to be a disciple of Jesus Christ in order to activate the promises of God or you're never going to experience the things that God has promised in this word. And you're going to get disillusioned and discouraged and then you'll change God's face. And he will be a God that does not answer prayer. He will be a God you never feel. He will be a God that's never there for you. And he will be a God that doesn't intercede or, or uh, intercept or change things or in any way become real or tangible. You will not hear him, see him, feel him, taste him, touch him. 
know him, sense him, perceive him, none of that. Because the discipleship encounter is the day when you enlist in God's army and you say, I want to be an active soldier in active service. I want to get my training. I want to get my assignment and mission. And then I will follow through and do it. I am your disciple, your apprentice, and you are the mentor of my life and the teacher of my life. And you're the one that's going to teach me how to live this life. That is called a disciple. And unless you become a disciple of Jesus, your Christianity will be very vacant of all the love, joy, and peace, powers, and all the other supernatural things. You may not be a disciple today. You may be a believer. That's not a disciple. Lots of people believe. As a matter of fact, you know what the Bible says? The demons believe and tremble. I mean, demons believe more than you. But demons believe so deeply that they actually tremble. So if you're not going to get a Bible and, and, and become a scholar of that Bible and, and memorize the teachings of Jesus and, and learn those teachings by memory and memorize the... Bible verses that are assigned to you by the Holy Spirit called prophetic verses, the ones that jump out at you when you read them, if you're not going to memorize those, then your insides will never be redesigned so you can be the woman God created you to be or the man God created you to be because you're not being designed by God's Word because you're not a disciple of the Word. The Word of God is the power of God. So when you memorize it, meditate on it, and live it and become fanatically filled with it, your entire essence of a being changes and you become a fruitful vine in God's garden because you're a disciple. You're under orders and you're disciplined and you do what God tells you to do. You're a soldier. You kill what God tells you to kill. You rescue what God tells you to rescue. And you do what God tells you to do. And that means you have to be highly acquainted with the mysteries of God's Bible and Word. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and say, I repent. I'm going to be a disciple. Amen. That means reading the Bible daily. Every day. Memorizing at least a verse. Every day sharing that with people, your friends, saying, God's teaching me how to love, God's teaching me how to repent, God's teaching me how to obey, God's teaching me how to win souls, God's teaching me, because that's a discipleship, and you know that most churches do not have discipleships, they have believers, but they don't have disciples, one of the biggest movements in America biggest churches in America, I can't remember the name of it, but real famous if I, if, if I, if I can think of it, um, big, big church, something, they had maybe 25, 30,000 people, and the pastor 
one day announced, he said, we have believers, we don't have any disciples. We have not discipled these people. He retired saying that. that these people are not disciples. That's a big deal. Christianity doesn't work if you're not a disciple. It's simply an intellectual creed for living your life that doesn't actually deliver what it promises. But if you become a true disciple and have that encounter like the disciples did, and especially Mary, she was at the feet of Jesus learning all the time. when you're in the presence of a disciple because the first thing they do is tell you what God's been telling them. That's how you know you're with a disciple. I mean, there isn't a time that I ever have been around Pastor Robert where he doesn't start talking to me about what God's been showing him. Ever. Ever. Not ever. As soon as I got to his house yesterday, he starts telling me everything. Yeah, God's really been dealing with me. He's been talking to me about it. Been having quite a time with the Lord. That's what you want. You want to say, hey, God's been talking to me. No, don't kill your husband. The Lord gave me a word. Do not kill your husband while he's sleeping. Wait till he wakes. <laughs> I actually had several, well, not several, three over the last 52 years, three women that actually came to my book table at different times, different years and all that, and they said, God does not love me because he's not answering my prayers, and I said, well, what are you praying? Maybe your prayer is wrong. I'm, I'm married to a wicked man. I'm asking God to take him out. As serious as you can be. I said, so your prayer is kill my husband. Yes. Three women, three times, different cities, different years. The Lord will not answer my prayer. I need deliverance from this man. someone and say snap out of it we then go to Matthew 9 20 through 22 the woman with the issue of blood you know the story 17 years of bleeding nothing was stopping the bleeding and she spent all her money 
and we know what she was saying within herself because the Bible tells us she said if I can just touch the hem of his garment I will be made whole we know that she touched Jesus and that Jesus stopped in the middle of thousands of people that were touching him he said somebody touch me and the disciples said everybody touch you no I felt virtue leave my body in other words this woman had a faith encounter one of the most powerful things you can do in your life is have a faith encounter where all of a sudden your faith levels go so high that nothing is impossible to you anymore I had my first faith encounter at 17 I was invited to go to a, a meeting I had not been to church I had just been to Catholic Church and I was going twice now I didn't know what else to do. And some guy said, have you ever heard of this woman, Catherine Kuhlman? I said, no, I've never heard of anybody. I haven't heard of anybody. I didn't know there were churches at all. I didn't know anything. He said, well, let's go. We went on a bus to Hoffines Pavilion in Houston and couldn't get in because there was too many people. And they had moved the, the, the protesters to a side area, about 150 of them. So we were looking for open doors and whatever. And we were on the street and the protesters were over there. And I said, no, let's not get near those sons of them like that because I had barely been saved, so I was still cussing. I hadn't gotten free from cussing at this point. And uh, you know you know how it is. And so. I'm just cussing and he's cussing but, but we're being led by God but, but but you know we're just I'm just letting it out and a white limousine drives up bodyguards come out a lady dressed in white comes out red hair giant lips skinny as a stick and comes out and they all start rushing her and she stops takes them out and she goes Jesus just like that and when I opened my eyes, I was laying on the concrete with my eyes open. I don't recall falling down. I don't recall hitting the concrete. I don't recall anything. I didn't know what was going on. I looked at my friend, he was laying there, and I said, what the blankety blank just happened? I said, is that the finger of the skinny lady? I said, let's follow her. And so we got up and fell down and got up and fell down. I, and I said, I think I'm having an epileptic attack. And my friend said, man, this feels better than cocaine. He was obviously an ex-drug addict. And, but we got in there to, this, to the section with all the sick people, cots, blind people and everything. We just sat down. The first chair was on the steps right next to it. And then the lady came out. I said, there's the lady with the finger. She came out and she pointed over here and she said, there's a young lady, a young girl over here. Her eyes are being healed over here. It's like this. There's a, a lady standing right there and a little girl in front of her. And I could see the little girl going like that. And then she said, Mama, 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 I can see you, Mama. And the lady fainted. She just went back boom, over the chairs. She didn't get slain in the spirit. She fainted. I didn't know what was going on. I thought it was a program. I said, oh, I guess the program is starting. Like a play. I thought it, maybe it was a play or something. 
woke up and she started screaming. All the ushers rushed over there. Baby can see. I mean, it was intense. But I'm still thinking it's a play. So <coughs> I said, wow, this is weird. And the usher brought a lady and sat her down on the steps like this, right there. She had a big brace on her leg. And one of her legs was three or four inches shorter. I could see it. They took off the thing. And, and the usher says, do you mind if I pray for you? And she, he picked up the legs like this. Picked up the legs. One leg is shorter than the other. And I'm right. It's right there. If the leg goes even with the other one and I fainted I saw the leg grow with my naked eye you can say whatever the hallelujah you want but let me tell you when you're an eyewitness nobody can convince you I saw the leg pop past the other one and even and I just watching the mountains leave because you have faith because God has given you faith just like when my mama got saved and I knew I knew that moment that everyone in my family would get saved just because she got saved I knew it and my oldest brother got saved first and I mean he didn't just barely get saved he was a fall down drunk I never saw him drunk once in my life. But he, that's what he told me. So he can't sleep at night because of the liquor he was trying to quit and he couldn't sleep. So he's watching TV one, one uh, night. He, he told me it was about 2 in the morning. And I had been telling him for 11 years, you are going to be a preacher. And he would just lovingly, he loved me. He said it happened. I said, what? 
Shamrock on TV. Shamrock? You mean Shambach? Yeah, I was listening to Shambach on TV, that guy. And he said, I got saved. I, I, I got saved. I asked Jesus into my heart. I'm, I'm saved because I told him exactly all the time. I tell him everything to do, everything that's going to happen, the whole thing. He said, I just followed everything you've been telling me for years. I just did it. But what's this? I can't stop saying these words. I said, that's the Holy Ghost talking out of you. And I said, I'm hanging up because I'm tired. I'll call you tomorrow. Boom. day I called him he said why'd you hang up on me I said because I've been praying for you for 11 years or 12 years I'm tired don't call me at 2 o'clock in the morning if you don't encounter faith your Christianity is shriveled and powerless you can only increase in faith if and this is the key if extension to our clinic. You saw it. Top of the line. The number one top of the line equipment for every sickness, everything, everything, whatever, for everything. Dentists, hearts, everything, everything. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. And the expansion. Somebody gave us the money.
some of them would have been believing God for them to believe in Jesus. It just happened like two weeks ago. No, it happened last week. In Alaska, a couple comes, and they come with children, and they say, yeah, here's our new baby. The one you said wouldn't have. So you couldn't have what is it? Wait a second. You could not have. No, we could have. Let's not do that. Praise the Lord. Look at somebody and say, we got to keep reaching out. Say, we got to keep reaching out to the impossible. My last one for tonight. This is found in Luke 15, verses 17 all the way through 26. The story of the prodigal son. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, here is a man who is raised in God's house with godly parents. His parents are so godly that God has made him extremely wealthy. The dad is wealthy, his servants. And this is an entitled, spoiled, unthankful young man who does not appreciate what he has. And he says to his dad, I want my money now because I'm going to go out and hire decent women. It says he spent his money on loose living. His entire inheritance, he spent it in whatever amount of time. And then it says he, he was sleeping with pigs and eating pig food. While in this condition of being with pigs, eating pig food, it says his mind returned. And these are the words he said, I'm going back home. Hallelujah. I mean, I'm wondering how many of you are believing God for some of your children possibly a grandchild maybe you're believing God for a brother or a sister you're not going to get them back till you go home this man said if I go I'm going to go hire out and work for my dad because even the slaves live like kings and you know the story this is a restoration encounter this is when God gives you back everything you don't deserve. He treats you like you deserve it. But in reality, you don't deserve it. He gave him a white robe, which is godly living. He gave him a gold ring, which is a covenant relationship. He gave him a staff, which is divine authority. He gave him shoes, which is the preaching of the gospel. And then he kissed him all over his neck and face, intimacy and then he threw a party which is celebration of your existence and of your identity 
and kill the fatted calf, which means the prime steer, the prime calf of the whole herd. If they were going to slaughter or whatever, or sell or whatever they do, and threw a party. This was my son that once was lost. You're going to experience it a lot of times in your life. If you walk with Jesus, he's going to constantly bless you with things you don't deserve. And you will now begin to believe in the power of restoration. That God can restore your whole family. God can restore your lost brothers and sisters and uncles and aunts. And God can save your whole family tree. God can restore your health. God can restore your sanity. God can restore your relationship with your children that may be broken. God can restore your peace. God can restore your love. God can restore your joy. Joel 2.25 says, I will restore to you the years that the locusts, cankerworm, caterpillar, and pommelworm have eaten. I'll restore all of it to you. And all you have to do is go home. Go back to God. Stay with God. Live in his house. Be his servant. Stay home where your father is. And the rest is automatic. Restoration comes. And you say, well, what are you talking about? When I talk about restoration, I'm, I'm not talking about trinkets, little tiny blessings. I'm talking about Exodus chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. The Lord gave the Israelites favor in the eyes of the Egyptians. And he told the women to go get the jewelry from the Egyptians' houses. Have you ever asked yourself, why did he tell the women to do that? Have you ever asked a man to go find something? I mean, really, have you ever said to your husband, could you get my purse? It's upstairs on the bed. And a man will go upstairs and look at that bed and say all kinds of things to you while he's standing there. This dumb woman, it's not on here. What is going on? Blah, 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 blah. He won't look anywhere else. He'll just go back down. But if, that, if you as a woman would have told another woman it's on the bed, that woman knew that you didn't actually mean it's on the bed. What you actually meant in womanese, it's a hundred miles from the bed, somewhere within that vicinity, search it out. But whatever you do, don't come back because women know this without telling them, don't come back without the purse. You don't just go and look in one spot. I'm crazy, I don't know where I left it. I'm just sending you in a general direction. My wife will sometimes not even tell me where to go. She'll say, go get my purse and point in a general direction. I said, I'm not going over there. What do you mean over there? Break it down. What do you mean? Are you saying in the house or outside the house? All the way five miles down the road. She says, I don't know. It's that way. Don't come back without it. 
but with men it's not like that. We search once. You're crazy if if you're wrong. We don't go like go towards the north. And within several miles of this spot. wife likes to do these geocaches things. They're all over the world. I hate them. She loves them. A geocache is a little tiny thing they hide in places all over, all over the world. Like if you look for them here, they're all over town, hidden. And weird people who like to do this drive from town to town and go to these places and try to find them. And they look in little nooks and crannies. We're preaching in Ireland. I'm telling you the truth. We're driving by the ocean. And she's looking at her phone. And I can tell it's a geocache search. I said, no. No, 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 no. We're in the back seat. Pastor and his wife. She goes, let's go. Let's go. I said, no, I'm not going to ask him. She said, let's go. <laughs> so I said, I said, hey. restoration, here's what I'm talking about. 430 years they hadn't been paid. They got the back pay plus interest. Plus interest on top of that for hundreds of years. So when I say restoration, what I say and what I mean is God wants to give you what your parents should have had if they had served God. What your grandparents should have had if they had served God. He wants to give you five generations back of your inheritance that nobody has claimed that is sitting there waiting for somebody to say it's mine and my family's and I claim it all in the name of Jesus. Can somebody wave your hand and say I got a restoration coming. What did your parents lose? What did your parents not claim? What did your grandparents 
not claim? What did your great-grandparent and your great-great-grandparent, your great-great-great-great-great-grandparent, all of it is yours, ladies and gentlemen, if you can believe God for a restoration or else not. But I am. And I have far exceeded all of those things. I have exceeded all my mother and father should have had, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, my grandparents. I've exceeded all of them. I say that to the Lord of God. But as Robert and I have decided to sow it into orphans and widows, that's what we are sowing it for. Hallelujah. Can somebody shout amen and say thank God for church and the Holy Ghost? Amen. Now, close your eyes for a moment. As an encounter with God has to be obeyed. If you don't obey it, if you just listen to it and, 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 and get in the habit of hearing sermons and not doing them, then you're just robbing and stealing from your own self. So what I'm going to ask you is this. While your eyes are closed in privacy. One of the things you need from God to live the life you're supposed to live is the power of the Holy Spirit. That power comes in the form of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which means that God baptizes you in power and then he baptizes you in fire with the Holy Spirit. He then gives you a spirit language that you can pray to God in that only God understands. But in Romans 8.26, it says that when the Holy Spirit searches your heart, that he prays in the perfect will of God. Or when you pray in the Spirit, you're praying perfect prayers because it's this Holy Spirit praying. Or God writes the prayer, sends it to himself, answers himself and gives you the blessings by simply praying in the Holy Spirit. And this is going to help you walk in the powers of the Holy Spirit. And what I have found that people without this gift many times are like, feel like an elephant without a trunk. They can still drink water, but it is hard, hard, hard to get. Whereas with this prayer language, with the prayer language, it just flows like a river. But remember, for those of you that have been raised in places that were against these things, that it's Satan's job to demonize the gifts that God wants you to have. Because he wants, he is afraid of you. says sing to yourselves in the spirit pray in the spirit do not forbid people to pray in the spirit when you pray in the spirit you build yourself up you edify yourself and the power of God flows 
So God wants to give you a gift, and because it's a gift, you don't have to be worthy of the gift. You simply have to receive it because it's a gift. It's not pay. It's a gift. So what I'm going to ask you as you're sitting there, how many of you tonight have never received the gift and, and the spirit language and want to be baptized in that power of the Holy Spirit? Can I see your hands very quickly? Because I want to pray for you, and God is going to do a miracle. Lots of you, lots of you, lots of you. Excellent. Lots of you. Now, I want you to do something. I want you to stand up to your feet. Those of you that raise your hand, you to come up here to the front, right up here, and I'm going to pray with you and lead you in this beautiful blessing that is going to change your life for the rest of your life. Remember, Luke 10, Luke 11, if you ask God, if you ask God for an egg, he will not give you a snake. Hallelujah. If you ask God for Bread, he will not give you a rock. Receiving the Holy Spirit is, we're going to keep going with that music. Receiving the Holy Spirit is, you all have the Holy Spirit when you're saved, but being baptized in it is a very powerful thing because it's a step of faith. It's like, God, the Bible said in, in Matthew chapter 3, John said these words, I baptize you in water for the remission of sins, but there's one coming after me who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. So who can you trust tonight? You can trust God. You can trust Jesus. Amen? You don't have to trust me. I have nothing. I have nothing to give. But you can trust him. He is the baptizer. And the reason you need the power of God is so that five things get released in your life when you're immersed in God's power. One, you get love, joy, peace. Then you get revelation. Then you get passion, fire. All these anointings come on your life. And not only do you begin to think clearer, you start getting answers to prayers that you don't recall ever praying because God, the Holy Spirit, is praying for you. He is giving you those beautiful prayers to pray. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to show you how to receive it. And Pastor Robert, if there's anybody that could come and stand behind them, um, and, and uh, you know, just be there behind them to pray, walk back and forth if there's not enough people. Um, and just kind, kind of walk up a little bit. And, and you're going to want to have your hands free because I want you to, to do something that is going to help your spirit open up, and that is lift your hands. Why would you do that? Of course, the Bible says to do it everywhere. But what does it mean? Well, if someone puts a gun to you, what do you do with your hands? You lift them up. What is that saying? I surrender. If your team wins the Super Bowl, 
What do you do with your hands? You throw them up because that's a sign of victory. So when you lift your hands like that, and the Bible says lift your hands, it's not some religious denominational thing. It's you saying, I surrender God, and I already know I'm going to have the victory. I already know. That's what you're saying. Then in Psalm 22, it says, God inhabits the praises of his people. You can put your hands down for a minute. I'll have you lift them up. God inhabits the praises of his people. So praise, how many of you know what praise is? Praise is telling God how great and good he is in a loud voice. So church, everybody out there, at the count of three, I want us to just begin to praise God in English out loud. Are you ready? One, two, three. Just begin praising him out loud. Tell God in a loud voice how great he is. Say, God, thank you so much for saving my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for baptizing me in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for saving my wife and my husband, my children. Thank you, God, for healing me. Thank you, God, for delivering me. Oh, God, I love you so much. Thank you for all your blessing. And then look up into the face of God and say, I love you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I lift you up, God. I magnify you, God. To you be all the glory and to you be all the praise, God, because you are worthy of it, God. And I magnify you, God, and I thank you for being the God of my life and the Savior of my life, and I love you very much. Amen. Put your hands down for a moment. Now, how many of you did what I said? Okay? And this is a smart thing to do since I'm the one leading you. Uh, what you want to practice right now is praising God loud enough for your neighbor to hear you. But remember that your neighbor cannot hear you since they're going as loud as you are. So really nobody can hear anybody. But it's really for you to, I'm showing you how you're going to take a step of faith. Because remember, God requires faith. Faith pleases God. Many instances when God healed people, say for example rise and walk and that person had to activate their will to try and move their legs at the moment they did that the power of God hit them and they got healed because they had faith in Jesus and sinned praise the Lord because this is a verbal miracle meaning that the miracle comes out of your mouth in a language this is me praying in the Holy Spirit I did not memorize those words nobody taught me that I did just what you're doing the Spirit of God came in me and the Bible says in John 7 37 that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water this is where you go from the natural Christian life has zero power to a supernatural Christian life, which gives you access to the full powers of the Holy Spirit. And this is as true as I can be. God will not hurt you. He will only bless you. Praise the Lord. So let's get rid of the first problem, unworthiness. 
lift your hands and say, oh God, forgive me for all my sins. Cleanse me by your blood. I want to love you all my life. And I want you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit and fire. Let it flow out of me like a river. And I'm going to speak like a machine gun. And I'm going to jump off the cliff and walk by faith on this water in Jesus' name. All right? Now look at me again. You're doing real well so far, so give yourself a hand. Because you're actually doing really well. No, really well. So the people are out there stretching their hands towards you. I'm praying for you, and this is what we'll do. We're going to lift our hands in a minute and praise the Lord again in English. Unless you have another language that you prefer. You're going to just praise Him. Thank you, God. I love you. Like that, that, that loud. Thank you, God. Praise you. Don't do this. And try not to be, try not to think that you're smarter than I am for just a minute. will come a river. You won't hear it in your head. You won't hear the word You're not going to hear that word. You're just going to open your mouth and begin and the Holy Spirit will take over as it says in the book of Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. Everybody on the count of three, let's praise him out loud. One, two, three. Go ahead and praise him out loud. Loud enough for your the person next to you to hear you. Tell God how great he is. Everybody out there, praise him and magnify the Lord and bless his name by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, can you come and pray, play this for me? Just go ahead, whatever you want. Just go ahead and praise him, everybody, just like that. And at the count of three, you're going to start praying in the Holy Ghost. Everybody out there, on the count of three, just start praying in the Holy Ghost. Ready? One. Two, three, let it out of there. Sheda necrecopa paparite toso, beautiful. Rondirade bereklo como sadra. 
Jedre madro more bezedra ba and just keep going. Behele tata toa tata le tata morro borro baba. Shenedo do le sheda. Le le le. Keep going. Beautiful, beautiful. Baho ya shota telekatam. Braco more besete talo. Bentele. Be filled with the Holy Spirit from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Mahoro da rabadoshi. Genole ka more babado da se. Geneclo carabasadra. Dolaba. While they're praying, Laura, let's sing a song while you keep praying. And the rest of us are going to sing a song. Keep praying. Talobaro. Shomare kadrabo sabronde revesige. Thank you, Lord. Let that river flow. I thank you, God, for baptizing your children in the Holy Spirit. Bring me to my knees. Thank you, Lord. Fill every one of them, God. Shemaldo borrabadeda. De glory dardo veretati. Shalom gregare mata. You're talking directly to God. Talk directly to God with that language. Kade duka mahalote tate. Tell him how much you love him. Belosh karoto tatatele. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everybody sing that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Touch each one, Lord. Kalemorata Shamalangora. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's thank God, everybody. Let's thank God, everybody. Say thank you, Lord. We seal this gift. That it will never be stolen from you, and you will never doubt it. We say that you will be filled with the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit all the rest of your life. And that as you're driving home tonight, you'll be praying in the Holy Spirit. And as you lay in your bed, you'll go to sleep praying in the Holy Spirit. And every day, that language that is the prayer language of the Holy Spirit will keep Growing and becoming stronger and stronger and more and more powerful. We are not afraid of the Holy Spirit. We are not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. We are not embarrassed by the Holy Spirit. We give God glory. Halelo Corredorama. Thank you, O God. Everybody, would you give an applause to Almighty God? And would you praise Him for these beautiful people that got a beautiful gift that can never be lost now? It is yours forever.
It's up to you to use it. It's there. It can never, nor will it ever leave. Praise God. God bless each one of you. May God make this year the best one you've ever had. All right, everybody, you can be seated. Everybody give the Lord a hand. Here comes Pastor Robert. Thank you, everybody. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Well, glory to God. Amen. I can tell you all this. Well, first, I want to give you just a scripture. Matter of fact, ushers, just help me. If we're going to take up another offering, if anybody didn't have an offering to give this morning, um, so you can go help me with that, and you'll be getting your offerings ready. I'll give you, give you a couple of things. Uh, Psalms 107.23. long time ago, the Lord gave me this. He says, they, it says, They that go down to the sea in ships and do business on great waters will see the wonders of the Lord and His mighty works in the deep. And I said, Well, that sounds pretty, Lord. What does that mean? And he says, if you don't ever step out on the waters with me, you're never going to see anything. So I bought a picture. I don't really like ships. I don't even like to go fishing. I don't like the sea. I like to look at the sea. I like to stand on the beach and look at the sea, but I don't want to get on the sea. I'd never get in a ship. If the zombies were taking over, find me some other thing. I ain't getting on a ship going out in the sea. And so that's just me. But I bought a picture of a ship. And I have it hung in my house, and I walk in there every night, and I tap the picture, and I said, Lord, you said, they that go down to the sea in ships and do business on great waters will see the wonders of the Lord and your mighty works in the deep. So what do you want me to be believing for? What do you want project done? What do you want that's out of my limits, something I can't reach? And that's for me personally. That's for the church. That's for everything. And uh, God's done miracles. Amen. Second thing I can tell you is those of you tonight that were up here and you received for the first time the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I just want you to understand that uh, Wednesday night I'm going to be having a class on how to flow in the Spirit. You may want to come for a little refresher, a little help, but I want to tell you something. God did it tonight. Everybody say, God did it. And... It's up to you to keep walking in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, keep walking and flowing in the Holy Ghost so that God can continue to use you and all kinds of great things are going to happen. It's the greatest thing that ever happened in my life is the day I met the Holy Ghost. Amen? It's not voodoo hoodoo. It's Bible 101. Amen? So Wednesday night, we're going to have class, 630 6.30 Wednesday night, so we'll have a class over there. We've been doing the, the praying the word, and, and, and then this one is flowing in the Holy Ghost, and so it just fits in perfect with what Brother Ivan said. Amen? So stand up. Father, I just declare tonight, I thank you for everything you've done in us. I thank you for blessing these people. Thank you for blessing this offering, blessing everything they put their hands to that it'll prosper, blessing their businesses. I declare, Lord God, these people are those that are going to go out on the great waters. They're going to see your wonders, your signs, your miracles, your flow. I thank you, Lord, for those tonight baptized in the Holy Ghost, introduced to the Holy Spirit. Lord, if they have questions, I think you answer them tonight. Lord, you make their Bibles jump alive to them when they look at them. I declare, Lord God, that this night,
that there's a shift in their life, a change and a shift in their life, and that no matter, the enemy will not talk them out of anything, Lord God. The lies of the enemy are just shut off to their ears. They're going to hear the truth. They're going to get connected, and they're going to flow with you. And so, Lord, I praise you for that. So bless them this night, Lord, and we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you, church. If you missed the offering buckets or sitting around here, go out there and get them this week.